Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. What's up, 168ers? Today we're going to be talking about why we pray in worship service and why prayer in general is uh, beneficial for us. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about prayer in at least at least in the way our worship services typically progress. Prayer is at least the next element that happens within yeah. our worship service. I mean, music kind of still follows or songs still follow, but prayer is like the next definitive element that, that usually takes place. And so to touch on that, um, I'll just give a little bit of a brief background. And at least since I've been a part of this congregation, how that element um, has come about. When I began at the Clarence Church of Christ, as far as I remember, there wasn't a definitive prayer element that was part of the worship service. It's not to say there wasn't prayer within it to some degree. Like there's prayer a lot of times connected to the songs, like transitioning between songs and a message or at the end of a message or during communion or um, offering that kind of stuff. Uh, but there wasn't a definitive prayer time. And the instituting a definitive prayer time, at least in the, its most recent iteration of it, uh, came out of an elders retreat that the elders had. And it was an element that uh, they discerned should be reintroduced or reincorporated into the weekly rhythm that, that we have in gathering for worship. And so since then, and I want to say that was back in like 2015, if I'm thinking right, somewhere around then, um, and it's been a part of the regular rhythm of, of Sunday worship since then. And so basically somebody leads a prayer time each Sunday. And it's not like the same thing every time. It's usually themed to, to something specific. Um, it could be about anything. I mean, it could be about a current event. It could be about a common known issue among the congregation that someone needs prayer for. It could be seasonal, like kids going back to school let's lift them up in prayer as they go back into the rhythm of schooling uh, things like that um, but the idea there is to intentionally spend time in prayer in that in our worship gathering as a body of believers that's that's kind of the bottom line idea of, of what it's about but how how has that element been for you as just a weekly worshiper and yeah, where does that time, where does it fit kind of in how you approach worship on Sunday? Or what's your perspective on it, I should say? So I, I don't know that there's necessarily a big academic conclusion or something like that I could come to. But in terms of the prayer segment, like in our worship service, there is something powerful about all of us praying at the same time as a body. Kind of like the idea, like what we talked about in the last episode of you know, we're not doing this alone. We're all communicating with the same the same God that we all worship. Um, and then the other perspective of it um, is also, uh, so it's twofold. It's the idea that something is getting put on my radar of something that I could be praying for that I hadn't been necessarily thinking about before, like a topic or something seasonal or about someone in the church family. Or it could also be whoever's up there could offer a different perspective or a new, you know, a new way of looking at things or, you know, maybe set an example of what a, you know, what a powerful prayer looks like. Maybe, you know, that's why we have all these different people get up there is because, you know, we're each going to resonate in a different way with other people. So there's kind of the leadership element to it, but there's also the 
togetherness and enlightenment portion of it, just in terms of topics and stuff like that, as well as um, obviously praying with the body. So, yeah, I want to say most every time for that specific time, there might be some exceptions. I'm just not. I mean, I think there are, but most every time, I would say there. It's it's probably fair. Probably fair to say that a scripture of some sort is usually the basis for what gets prayed for like obviously there there might be a theme or a season seasonal topic that kind of gets initiated but that whatever gets prayed for is usually hearkened back to a scripture and like then scripture or god's word is then the thing that's used to direct or guide the prayer that's given at that time at least i I think i'm fair in saying that as far as i can remember i know for me that's generally how i approach it um and even if it's not a specific scripture, um, it, it's it's very intentional about how it's you know prayed for to try to help, I think, guide the congregation to lift up this issue or thank God for this thing in a specific way to God to help shape and form the congregation to know how to bring this or any other kind of topic to God in a way maybe they haven't thought of before. At least I know for me, that's that's how I've benefited from prayer in a lot of ways not just prayer like in serve in in the worship service but really from anybody praying um i mean a lot of our i mean if you think about i think i would say this is true for me like my prayer life is basically i'm a mutt of what i've heard from other people (laughs) like it's oh yeah that person used that kind of language and i yeah that encapsulates how i would capture that or how i would how i would feel comfortable addressing god and I don't know. I see those kinds of things in, in my prayer life, like whether it's from reading different prayers or whether it's hearing other people pray, it's helped give me a vocabulary to know how to pray. And that's like a big struggle. A lot of people have is like, Oh yeah, prayer is important, but I don't know how to do it or I'm not sure what to say. And I think it's easy to default to um, blanking on the scripture at the moment. First Corinthians, I think where it's like, you know, with groans and whatnot, like the spirit kind of prays on our behalf. That's kind of a very loose paraphrase of that. But, but the idea of like, when you don't have words, like God is there to sort of interpret, if you will, like your situation, but like, it's the idea is that you're still going to him, even though you can't figure out what to say about it. And I feel like somewhat that can be a cop out of like, well, I don't need to know what to say. Well, yes and no, but like, there is there's a connection you have in being able to articulate to God the things you're going through and the, and how He is with you in in that moment. It's a relationship. I mean, we would like that with any other relationship, right? Like if if you have a friendship or a spouse or you know a kid or whatever like that you're in relationship with, just as a human being, none of us would like if the other person just was like non-communicative the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's a relationship. There's a conversation going on. That's ultimately what prayer is. I would think about it like, you know, we have help. We don't have a servant, right? It's You don't just offload everything to another. It's like, oh, well, you know, you might have forgotten this. You might have done this. Here, let me remind you about this. It's not, well, we don't have to lift a finger and God's the doting grandfather that does everything for us. It's, you know, it's a team effort, but we need to put in the effort still yeah but yeah there is yeah i just wanted to point out that element of 
I think that's one role. It's maybe not like distinctly stated in that moment, but that's part of why that moment is incorporated in our worship gathering is it's a way to help each of us be shaped in how we relate to God. And yeah, we're doing it in a corporate or like collective sense on Sunday morning, which then ties to like the thing we're praying about or lifting to God in prayer is not just, it's not just a me thing and it's not just a someone else's thing, but it's a, we collectively are involved in this thing. Like, it all it affects all of us. Like if we're a body for part of the body of Christ, what affects someone else affects me. What affects me affects them. Like there's that spiritual united dynamic that is taking place and we could be ignorant of that, but it doesn't mean it's still not true. I don't know. What do you think of that dynamic in terms of just praying corporately? Like the we're tied together kind of dynamic. So my head was on a swivel because my cat was going crazy, bouncing her spring toy around the kitchen floor and uh, she backed up like half of the kitchen's worth of length to pounce on it and it was very distracting because I could see it but um, in terms of what Jordan's saying um, I think um, yeah just praying together corporately maybe just from the more practical side of things it just again it just helps me to understand that we are in a body the church Christ's body we're doing this together it's not you know, just a me and God thing. It is a me and God thing, but it's an us and God thing. There's, you know, and that kind of can multiply what we think about the love of our God who cares for all of us, not just one of us, even though he does care about one of us. We're a group. We're set apart for his purpose. And, um, yeah, I think just the togetherness itself is something that I just find beneficial, I guess. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with our prayer time in our worship gathering there and there's a role for this to a degree like some portion of that prayer time is somewhat laying out like what it is that we're praying for and why we should pray for it and why there's scriptural basis for praying for it but i also know that there's a temptation sometimes that we can more easily talk about what we need to be pray for rather than spending the same amount of time actually praying for said whatever it is thing guilty and and I think that trickles down even to our own personal lives or relationships with God too. Like we can very easily like recognize, oh yeah, I need to talk about this with God or pray about this. And we can th- spend all the time thinking about we need to do that and then not actually do the thing of praying or talking to God or going to him. So, I mean, it tr- it, it's not just a, like in the worship service dynamic that can be a temptation. It can be a temptation beyond that or even i've noticed that in groups before like what are prayer requests people have or needs that people have and we spend like easily can spend 20 however many minutes a long time talking about the needs or the the issues and then we spend maybe a minute or whatever praying about them and it's more just an observation it's not like that's you know like you can't it can't be that way ever (laughs) um it's just an observation that like i think we can easily default to talking about stuff and spending more time doing it than actually doing the very thing we're talking about doing. Um, and that could apply to a lot of other things too. But I noticed that specifically with this, it's easy to, it can easily be like a mini sermon without it actually being about we pray together. Um, so that's one thing I try to try to check myself on. I'm probably just as guilty of, of doing the same thing when I have led that time at least. Um, but it's, it's one observation for sure. I don't know. What other thoughts do you have if, if any? 
Yeah, I just say, you know, I'm pretty bad at that about, you know, most people have heard the, um, you know, if you know you have to cut down a tree you, bef- and you have eight hours to do it, you spend four of them sharpening the axe. I might be the guy who sharpens the axe for 40 years, and then by the time I go to cut down the tree, it's already dead and fallen over anyway. So it's like, you got to remember, still got to cut the tree. So, you know, there there's a lot of things I can say I need to do. Um, and then, yeah, actually acting on them is another thing for sure. So. But overall, I think that prayer time, it's one way. I, one thing I wish for our specific prayer time is there was a way to better incorporate like things that happen through throughout the week for people, but it also not to turn into like a gossip fest or a, you never know what someone's going to submit like randomly from left field to be talked about that could take forever to explain the issue like that, that those are things that can go awry when it's in a corporate setting like that. Um, but I do wish we had maybe a better way of incorporating some of those dynamics I know the church I grew up in, like one of the things, I don't you know if they do it currently as far as I know, but like they used to have these cards and the the minister would pray, you know, it was understood he was going to pray for like a certain, you know, probably five minutes, whatever, just for a certain amount of time. But like somewhere before he started praying is like, you know, if you have a request, like fill out this card, someone come get it. They would hand it to him. Then he would like go through them all and like, basically try to figure out the the things that need, that people want to pray for and have to like in that moment sort of discern like how much gets said, not get said to like divulge too much personal stuff, whatever. And then like, that would be the, the gist of what he would pray for. And there was something like connected, more connected to that dynamic than just like a topic that someone brings to the table. I mean, both, I think both things are meaningful and can be impactful, but I do wish there was a, a way we could more do that in a way that also isn't chaotic or cause like someone heartburn trying to discern something like in a split second of what can get shared. But some of that comes down to, we try to squeeze so much into Sunday morning too, where that stuff can just as well also be prayed for in like smaller gatherings of people or one-on-one or something like that. And both of those things are good. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. Um, that they both are beneficial. So, I mean, there's, there's a place for both of them for sure. Well, why don't we move into our one, six, eight debate? Do you want to introduce the topic since I, I think you, I think you entered it, brought this one up. Yeah. Uh, so again, low hanging fruit on this one, uh, for all you football fans out there, we're just gonna, <laughs> it's almost embarrassing that the way we phrase this question is just, what do you think? <laughs> But what do you think about the um, the Washington Commanders? The football team now has a name. The Washington Commanders. 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 What do you think? <laughs> so my initial reaction was <laughs> better name than I thought they maybe would come up with. Okay, that's nice. But I... I mean, it would, didn't take long for someone to like comment like, well, duh, you could shorten it to commies and like, you know, just all the controversy that surrounds that and politics and it being in Washington, D.C. and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, from that end, it's like, 
no one who did all the research didn't see that coming. Um, part of me was hoping they would just stick with the whole Washington football team thing. Like as weird as that whole transition was from their original name, like, I mean, it was hokey, but it had, they kind of had come to own it. And like, it had become normalized already. Like people already just referred to them as that. Like just I mean, Washington. as much as people still slipped up and whatever, like people kind of knew them as that already. Like just roll with it at this point. Like it was kind of unique to them to some degree. I mean, at least in American sports, it's a unique name. It's not as unique when you get to like soccer or, you know, non-American football and other, you know, where you have whatever football club and stuff like that. Like, but for American sports, like it, it was more of a unique name, unique. I mean, unique in that there's not a lot of other professional sports named that way. You know, it wasn't like it's not like Cleveland changed theirs to Cleveland baseball team. Like they didn't go that route or, yeah. you know, there, there just isn't anything else like that. So I was kind of surprised they didn't just stick with that because it had kind of already taken on its unique name. Um, a Another show or podcast that I listened to, uh, Steve Dace made the comment of, he goes, I really wish they would have just ditched like kind of everything and started new if they're going to change it and just gone with like not the whole Washington thing because that's already confusing because we have a state named Washington and like yeah. just adopt the DC moniker if you want or like, you know, reference and like pick, I forget the, you know, nickname he picked out. I, it was decent, whatever it was, but it was like, Nothing. It was like totally disassociated with like all the all that stuff. I want to say it was defenders, which I think was the was that was that the XFL team name they had for the DC or the Lions or whatever. One of those. Yeah, it was one of yeah something like that. But that was a. I mean, it's a decent name. The District Defenders. Yeah, District <laughs> Defenders. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that technically. Were, well. But but I do think like yeah, the whole thing of like just pick a new color, like just disassociate all that stuff. If you're going to change it, like change it to that. But yet, but I also get wanting to keep some of the history too, which is why I was just like, just keep what you had. So to me, the whole name thing was just like, why did you even need the add? I mean, the nickname thing kind of just is like hokey in general when it, I mean, a lot of the nickname for a lot of teams has a lot more to do with like, there's a, usually a historical reason why you pick it sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but I mean, and then you have some of the, issues people even bring up of like if you're trying to get away from colonialism and you picked a military term <laughs> and then you still got like a white guy's name attached i mean just like the whole thing just is like like why did you <laughs> anyway so yeah that's my my shortened take is like why didn't they just kind of leave it where they were or just pick something different altogether i, I think that idea would have been better than what they did but it is what it is and we'll see where it goes what's your take i talked a lot there well, I think you kind of encapsulated a lot of it. I came to like the football team, to be honest. I, I mean, they, like you said, they kind of owned it. I, I did like the, like the more minimalistic design on the uniforms. They had the nice maroon and like the more bright yellow W. And look, if if Michigan can put just a plain letter on their helmet, then a real football team could also do that as well, right? They don't a even have a on their helmet. Michigan doesn't even have an M on their helmet. It's just like this. Oh yeah, it's the like. I don't know. All right, cut that out. That makes me that makes me look really <laughs> dumb. That's right. They have the Wolverine thing, but their flag has an M on it. Yes, I mean their their logo I mean, is an M. Yes, one of their logos is an M. All right, I'll edit around that. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I commanders like there's. Yeah, there needs to be a way to shorten it down to one syllable, like 
That's <laughs> yeah. The cl- the closest you can get is commies. Maybe you should rethink who's on your PR team. Not trying to cancel anybody, but um, you I mean, know, this like is I the heard same city that had the bullets at one time. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I, you know, they were thinking about admirals, red wolves, which would have been really cool. Um, I mean, you know, it was m- mainly more <laughs> Washington bureaucrats. Uh, <laughs> Go Kratz! <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think uh, the only bad part about it is that it's just it, it can only be shortened down to two syllables, and um, the thing that it's shortened down to two syllables regarding uh, is responsible for the deaths of millions and millions of people. So that's not a good thing. Communism isn't fun, folks. That's why we make fun of it, because we need to reconcile what has happened in human history. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> my, my guess is... I don't know. I mean, to me, the hard thing with the football team moniker was it was hard to sell probably merchandise wise. There was just like, what do you put? W F T. I mean, you get the lettering, right? I mean, like, I mean, they could stylize it, I guess, but there (laughs) wasn't like, I think from that end, I mean, from a PR standpoint, it was it was kind of harder to, you know, you, there's not like a logo you could put like at the corner of a screen or like a, on a in social media thing or something like that. Like, but again, they made it work. I think they should just owned it and kept it. Is kind of where I was, but whatever. I mean, go, they probably won't be the last team that does this, unfortunately. But go commies. <laughs> I I'm trying to think if I've heard similar. I mean. Cleveland picked a name that didn't, as far as I know, didn't have any like weird associations with it. <laughs> yeah, I was really hoping the Oilers would turn into the Frackers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. They, the whole Washington football team thing just, to me, always made it look like Alabama, but the professional version. Because like, their, their uniforms kind of look similar because of the whole numbers on their helmets and all that stuff. But, yeah. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. That, I mean, I doubt they're going to change it at this point. There'd be too much flack to take, so <laughs> they're going to roll with it and go on with it. I mean, unless unless they relocate or something like that, like there's probably not going to. I doubt at this point they're going to change it. But all right, thank you for joining us for this episode of the One Six Eight Podcast. We hope that it has helped you think deeper about your relationship with God and following. Uh, his son, Jesus, and the life he has called us to, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the rest of the week as well. And we'll catch you next time. See you later, 168ers.